Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey everyone, it's Caroline from G Thanks Just Bought It, reminding you that in between episodes, you can find me on Instagram at G Thanks Just Bought It Pod. You can find products that don't make it onto the episodes and recommendations from listeners like you. So before you start this episode, give it a follow and say hi in the comments. And for a full list of every product we featured on G Thanks, visit gthanksjustboughtit.com slash episodes. See you there. Hey everyone, welcome. It's another week of G Thanks Just Bought It, the podcast where we talk about what we just bought and what you might need to buy next. I'm your host, Caroline Moss, and today we are joined by Alexandra Waldman, or we call her Alex. Um, She is the co-founder and creative director of our favorite brand, Universal Standard. Uh, G Thanks Just Bought It has been on the Universal Standard train for a very long time. Um, It was like one of the first clothing brands I felt super comfortable recommending to listeners. Um, It's inclusive, it's mindful, it's ethical. Um, I own so much Universal Standard clothing. And so having Alex here is a bit like having a massive celebrity um, in my midst. Alex, welcome to G Thanks Just Bought It. Gee, thanks. That's uh, high praise indeed. Thank you very much. We're so happy to have you. Um, I was thinking back to trying to remember what the first piece of universal standard clothing I bought, and I think it was the overalls with like the gold button detail. Oh, yes. Yep. That was probably from, uh, was that from the Danielle Brooks collection? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Those overalls are so good. Those are like, you could sleep in those overalls. Yes. We actually try really hard to make make <laughs> sure you can sleep in all of our clothes, regardless of what they're meant to be used for. Whether you're going to a board meeting, you should also be able to sleep in it. Um, there's this kind of unspoken rule of comfort. Um, so we take tremendous um, time and attention. We pay a lot of attention to the fabrics that we use because... One of my biggest complaints, and I live in a big body, um, and I used to write about fashion, so I was at this weird crossroads, Uh, but one of my biggest complaints was that uh, fashion was made so indifferently for bigger bodies, you know, Mm -hmm. like uh, stretch was included in a size four, but it was not included in a size, you know, uh, 18. It just made no sense to me. And so... um, uh, when we started our own brand, that was one of the things that we tried to fix. Yeah. Well, everything really is super comfortable. And I talk about this a lot, but, you know, I my size has changed over the years like anyone's. And, you know, I feel like all of a sudden I woke up and one day I wasn't a size 10. I was a size 12. And then all of a sudden I went to a size 16 and I was like, I was never even a 14. Like, How did this happen? And having a brand that still has a bigger body in mind 
and not like as an afterthought and also not as like a a, a woke sort of performance bingo square um, to hit uh, is is really, really nice. And I think that it's been um, almost more comfortable to allow my body to change in a lot of ways because, you know, I'm no longer really just like struggling to find whatever the top size in a straight in a straight size store is and I'm like crossing my fingers and hoping that it fits. And that's a conversation we have here all the time. So to know that you guys even that was just that was just how it was going to go, which is like, oh, of course, you know, our clothing is going to fit bigger bodies. And then the next thing you focused on was, okay, can they sleep in these clothes? I love that. (laughs) I think uh, what you just said is is so exactly what our goal was, that it's really um, gratifying to hear um, that it's understood. You know, the whole idea behind the brand was actually not to talk about size. We don't care what size you are. We really believe that fashion is about access and you should have access to great clothes and it should not be segregated where you get a completely different category um, that lives somewhere on the internet or, you know, is... Uh, created in your size only in three pieces or that is a completely different fashion line for women with big body we just didn't understand why that should be so so um when we started universal standards we knew that we would have to break some things in order to make some things um we're still strangely enough it's 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 one of those things that is both very obvious, very simple, and very difficult to grasp because people are so used to that sort of binary, you know. Oh, you know what? I'm going to cut you just because I heard the the beep go. Yeah, I just turned off. The oh, thing. that's okay. Yeah. Um, just go back to um, just because it's it seems so difficult to grasp. Yeah. Um, it's it's very simple, but it's very difficult to grasp because most people are so used to that binary plus size and straight size that as soon as they see that you have something over a size 14, they think of you as a plus size brand, Um, which is actually the opposite of what we're trying to be in the world. We're trying to be an example to the fashion industry to say, there's no reason why you're locking out all these women. Continue doing what you're doing. And now please make everything in more sizes so that more people can participate. There's no reason um, to stop where you stop. And, um, you know, this is why we, we have the largest, um, available commercial size range in the world, double zero to 40. Um, and I even had somebody say, what do you, when you say 40, what do you mean? Like a 28, 30, I'm like, no, like 28, 30, 32, 34, and so on to 40. Mm-hmm. And it was a really sort of like moment of, wow, like, mm, okay. Um, but the reason, the reason that we do this is so that we don't have to talk about size anymore because that's not what clothing is about. Clothing is about access. It's about being able to look like your peers. It's about, uh, you know, being able to buy the kind of clothes that have always been available to the size four and the size six Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, and look like, um, you know, have that option, have that choice to dress yourself as you please, um, you know, in a very quickly moving um, fashion industry. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a conversation that I feel like comes up all the time and regular listeners will be like, I know where she's going with this. But I, I do feel like it's important to have because, you know, I had this conversation with um, with Kate Bayer, who's a poet, and um, she and I are both like kind of on the smaller side of the quote unquote plus size and like you know it but it depends some some brands I can fit into straight sizes like again with another thing with women's fashion is like you never really you never really know um it really depends on and who's making the clothes because they'll just stick a label on whatever and call it whatever but a thing that we had this conversation about was like if it's this hard for us to find you know a size a pair of jeans size 16 that that are comfortable and look cute, then imagine, you know, the the 28s, the 32s, the size 40s of the world. And I know it was Roxanne Gay, who I know works with you guys and has, has done a lot of stuff with Universal Standard, who once I think did an interview around her book, Hunger, um, about how, you know, there's not, there was really, for a long time, nothing for women who are in sized in the 30s and the 40s you know you're wearing oversized men's shirts and no one is making clothes for you and yep. and there's like I have trouble trying to find you know like a formal dress in a size 16 and if I'm having trouble and the average woman is a size 16 then like what are we doing to these women who are not you know not on the small end of the plus size and it's just it's nuts um and now we've spent an entire year almost in in loungewear. Um, and I feel and all of our bodies are changing because all of our bodies are sort of reacting differently. Right. To to this time. Um, and and there you know, you're not seeing fashion trends on the street. And so I feel like it, there is a little bit of a a back to basics, back to comfort and, you know, looking for things that make you feel safe and and good. And I think that like, you know, that definitely has been why I keep wearing so much universal standard stuff because I trust it. Um, and there's just not that there's not that many brands that I trust. And and uh, the other thing I wanted to say is that I, I think you're the only brand that does this. But um, can you tell people a little bit more about the like when you're, I forget what you guys call it, but it's like when you're, if your size changes. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> when we started the brand, um, we uh, allocated a part of our office when we actually opened an office, which was relatively far, far down, down the line for a startup. When we opened our office, we relegated a little bit of space to a showroom so that people could come in and actually try the clothes on because we're a direct-to-consumer business and we thought it would be interesting and comforting for some people to actually be able to feel the fabrics and try them on. And we started to see something um, very disturbing, um, but very recognizable. Uh, people were looking at themselves in the mirror and they were refusing to, to see what was there. They were like, mm, this is me right now, but there's a better me around the corner. I'm going to be different. I've, I've started a diet. They, they were almost like judging their eyes not to actually see themselves in the mirror and hoping for a better self. So they were buying clothes that were either too small because they would fit into them in the future, or they were delaying that satisfaction of buying something beautiful that fits because the they they were in the mirror did not deserve it. The they that they were gonna be 
you know, that's the they that they, they were going to buy for. So we thought, how can we, how can we disrupt this vicious cycle that we all, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a size six and you suddenly have to wear a size eight dress. Um, women go into a panic, you know, it's, it, there's such a, a calcified, um, hatred of bigger bodies and gaining weight that it, it's, you know, we are anxiety is built into us from a very early age. And, um, it's, you know, it only gets worse when you're in a larger body and you can't find anything at all. And then you really feel judged and it's just a mess. So we thought, look, why don't you buy exactly for yourself as you are now, exactly as you are now so that you feel great in it fine. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be a totally different person in two months. I understand that's the path you've chosen. That's fine. But take what fits you now. And when you get there, if you get there, just send us back the stuff that you bought and we will send you a brand new size of the same thing for free. And it just, you know, this, this, the idea that you didn't have to worry about respending the money or judge yourself constantly in the mirror, the idea that you could allow yourself that one year to, for your body to change in whatever way it may, whether it's up or down, um, or not at all, whatever it was, it was uh, the idea behind it was to just like shut that bully in your, in our heads up. Yeah, that is so important and it also just hits it hits such a personal nerve um I went through wedding dress shopping a year and a half ago no two years ago at this point and I found the process to be so hard um it is coming in I have a body that just fluctuates like day to day just different um things fit differently by the hour and it was so hard to have to to have to like monitor to to be able to to be able to basically wake up on my wedding day and fit into a dress that is being fitted for you over the course of like a year yeah and i think my reaction i've written about this before but my reaction to that stress was that i like ended up gaining a bunch of weight um and i think it was because i was like trying to be like i don't need like my it was like the opposite of what i felt like gets kind of served to you in ads um when when you announce to the internet that you're getting married which is all of a sudden you get all these like workout and diet plans um Mm -hmm. And I found that I found it to be like such a stressful event. And I understood in that moment why uh, we, why, why brides to be go nuts um, before their weddings. And I think it's just because there's just no, literally figuratively no wiggle room. Um, You, you really have no choice but to to fit in, you know, your measurements have to fit whatever they were when you last got the dress fitted. And it can be really, really stressful. And I look at pictures now and I'm like, I wish I could have like, it would have been worth it to me to like, like have a tailor on hand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the day of like sure. right before I walk sure. down the aisle, just like fix whatever needs fixing, you know, and, and, and it can be fixed materially. It doesn't have to be fixed from my body. And 
I'm not I'm not one of those people that keeps jeans in my closet being like these are the jeans that I'm gonna fit into when I'm like super super skinny my skinny skinny jeans I actually like kind of graduated to like if a thing doesn't fit it's not my problem I can go buy the thing that fits um but no but but also that that can be like expensive so it's so nice to be like okay if if anything changes I'll just send them back and they'll send me a new pair um yeah and you just actually said something very very important uh that a lot of people have lost lost track of you know if you can't find a pair of jeans that fits your size it's not your fault it's the industry's fault Exactly. It's not your fault. It's their fault. And the idea, I mean, we had like, you know, 38 year old woman come into our, our, uh, showroom and try on jeans for the first time in her life. And she came out and she just broke down in tears because it was so Mm -hmm. emotional for her because jeans are not just, you know, it's not just a, a certain fabrication of a pant. It's, um, it's a cultural icon. Yeah. It's it's a way of belonging to society that, you know, everyone has genes, but you don't because you're not not quite, you know, part of the whole. So um, this whole concept that, you know, we're steeped in from the very, very uh, beginning of our lives as women is just, it does your head in. And Strangely enough, and and this is always controversial when I say this, but I really do mean it. You know, Universal Standard is not about, we don't preach body positivity. Right. We think that body positivity um, is very important, but it's a personal journey. How you feel about your body and your weight is a personal journey and no brand has the right to you know abscond with it. No No brand has the right to hijack that. And try to tell you, you know, try to, to extract that emotional toll from you. We make clothes. We make clothes for women. We make clothes for women in the largest size range that's out there. How you feel about your body is your business. We just want you to have access to things that fit and, and are cool. And we want the fashion industry to think of it in the same way. It's not a charity when they do something that goes up, you know, two or three sizes higher than their their normal size range. You know, it's not something right. that they're doing that is, you know, a blessed thing. It really is just um, a very sensical thing for everyone concerned, from the consumer to the to the brand itself to the industry. I mean, it just makes so much sense that not doing it is absolutely nuts. Yeah, I think yeah, and you hit the nail on the head. I I don't want to I don't want to be a bingo space. I don't want to be an Instagram post. I don't want, you know, you including not you. I don't want a brand including, you know, a a of totally normal body in their lineup of who of who they're dressing to be an opportunity for, you know, a a PR moment. Um and and I think also there are a lot of brands who who underestimate the the savvy um, and the intellect of their shoppers. Um, yes. People can smell that from a mile away. Like no yeah, one. Yeah. It's 2020. Like we're not like, oh, my God, thank you so much for making clothes that fit me. Um, I it's just crazy that like, oh, we're supposed to be like super grateful for. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's talk about Lizzo on the cover of Vogue. 
um, you know, and uh, forgive me if once again, I'm going to say something that a lot of people are not going to agree with. Love Lizzo. Who doesn't? Mm. She's gorgeous. Uh, she's incredibly talented. Um, she deserves to be on the cover of Vogue. But there is something demonstrable. There is something very um, tokenistic uh, about putting her on the cover of Vogue. Um, I I fear that it's not the beginning of something, that it's not um, emblematic of a change, but rather it's more like a, here you go now, just like, shut up. <laughs> um, or yes, we're on the right side of this, you know, but tomorrow it's going to be Carly Kloss again. Right. Um, or like, so, or like, uh, Oh, like, look, it's Lizzo. Look, we did it. Okay. Yes. It's, uh, yes. it's, it's, it's great for Lizzo, but it's also great for us. Vogue. We did it. We're Vogue and we did it. Like it just becomes like their moment. Yes. It should it just be normal. It should just be normal and it will not ever be normal until they feature women of all sizes, um, not just celebrities who are the hottest thing in the world at that moment. Right. Um, you know, you can't straddle those those two word, worlds. You can't like pat yourself on the back for being inclusive. And also, by the way, she happens to be one of the biggest celebrities in the world. You have to be able to separate the two mm-hmm. and put, you know, put models of all sizes up there without the brouhaha, without the patting on the, you know, self-congratulatory sort of, see, we did it. It's, we always said that this, this revolution, this change would happen through a very, very loud silence. You know, it's going to be just, there's this person and she looks amazing and we don't have to tell you, look, she's plus and isn't that wild. And look how, how, you know, um, woke we are. Or it's also, just like, can you to- believe how amazing she is? And she's fat. Like, and she's, like, yeah, wow. I wish I had her confidence. Like, what is all that? Like, I just, I'm not interested in any of that. Totally. You know, so it's really, um, you know, this idea of Liz being Lizzo being on the cover of Vogue, which is, you know, it's wonderful and she deserves to be there. And she's an incredible talent and an incredibly gorgeous human. Um, but you know, I, I'd like to see this to, I'd like to see this being in the beginning of a change rather than that token, like, here you go. Yeah. I think also, I totally agree with you. And I think in the case of Lizzo, it's like, if anyone wasn't expecting to see Lizzo on the cover of Vogue, then, then that's also rooted in your mind too. Like this is one of the biggest stars in the world right now. Like just huge star a-list most popular hit songs what like if it's vogue then she should be on the cover and it almost seems like people were like wow like why would why would you be surprised she's she's liz i mean she's huge on the cover right putting rihanna on the cover it's exactly the same thing and for some reason i think that people are applauding extra loud because she's not you know a size two and it's absolutely insane that we need to to like it's that binary thing coming into play again the big and small big and small and if right. it's big then it needs extra attention more applause and more and it's just it's just tiresome that we need to we need to do that and that the industry is still doing that yeah. because ultimately they you know who gets it is really the generation xers um where they're like this is about 
more things being beautiful. You mean Gen that's Z? That's what it boils down to. Sorry, Gen Z. I was like Gen X. Kind of- I was like, really? Are they? Are they? <laughs> no, uh, let me do that again. <laughs> no, that's okay. I actually like that you said Gen X, and um, we were like, wait a minute. I think we'll probably keep minute. that. That's funny. <laughs> so you mean like the, the young? Gen Z- yeah, the, the young Gen kids. Z's, like they get it because they really see it as a manifestation, a broadening of what's beautiful, rather than some sort of a, a charity, you know, bone that you throw, throw to, you know, bigger girls, like they actually think, you know, it, the diversity of beauty um, is so much broader than anything that's come before. And that's why I just, I love, I love their perspective on, on, you know, the aesthetic. And I really feel that their generation is going to be the one that really changes it in a way that that makes this whole, you know, argument or conversation moot um, and just allows all of us to exist, you know, as we are uh, and be considered beautiful. I love that. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and then we will return with more. Gee, thanks. Just bought it. Okay, we are back. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with that. I like, I think everyone always says like, oh, it's always the younger generations that are, you know, I think, you know, like Gen X was primed to change, millennials primed to change or whatever. And I think we all do move the needle along in our own way. Um, I, you know, my hope is that if I ever have kids or the kids that I know when they're adults, they all think that like, we're morons. You know what I mean? Like the, like, I hope <laughs> I that like, inevitable. yeah, <laughs> right. Well, again, good. My wishes will come true, but it's like yeah. the way that, you know, we think, or I think I'm so, um, progressive right now. My only hope is that to some, you know, in 20 years to some 20 year old, I am way behind, you know, or, or that I get spend the next 20 years evolving even more, um, because of the, the way that Gen Z is going to move the needle. Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree. I think like, I want to see Lizzo on the cover because I, I would bet Lizzo sells magazines because Lizzo is Lizzo. Lizzo. If you want to talk about it from a, a business sense, you know what I mean? I don't, it's, it just makes it, I agree with you that I think it, it does. It makes it more about Vogue doing something than, than celebrating someone who's, who totally deserves to be on the cover of Vogue. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I also want to make the point because I, I, this often gets lost when I'm sort of speaking about what I just spoke about. I am aware that we are standing on the shoulders of giants. And totally. for me, those people are the people who, who really went out there and insisted uh, you know, when no one agreed with them that there was, there was room and there was an aesthetic and there was knowledge and, and appreciation of what's beautiful uh, within a sector that had largely been ignored, you know, that larger body woman mm-hmm. for whom, you know, for decades, the people designing for that woman were, you know, white middle-aged men who were looking at spreadsheets and going, Oh, florals. Yeah. Those were up in January. Let's give them more. Flor-. Like, you know, there was right. no, there was no true, like kind of pure design, um, aesthetic. There was no, um, appreciation of, of women's tastes. I mean, what are we saying when we're saying plus size women, we're talking about 115 million individuals who all have different tastes and different budgets and different needs and different wants. There's no such thing as a plus size woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just millions of individuals and 
when we lump them all together um, and say, you know, oh, those women, you know, they want T-shirts with kittens and puppies on them, even though they're in their mid thirties. Like I just, that's never, I've never understood that. Yeah. So respect is what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, losing that indifference with which so many brands have been designing for, for bigger bodies, like really respect these women as women who are influenced by the same shows, by the same windows, by the same magazines as everyone else. There's no reason to assume that somehow they have less taste or are less sophisticated in, in their want of, of clothing. Or are less deserving of of something Absolutely. cute. <laughs> there's, there's no question. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it is. It is kind of there is so, you know, you look at like the 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 main sort of, I think, um, stereotype of plus size clothing, you know, this mass produced, just kind of like big floral, big t-shirt or whatever, fast fashion. And it's just, it's an over an afterthought, you know, you're like, Oh, you don't care. You don't care. Um, complete indifference. I think the thing that, that bothers me the most is not even that. I think the thing that bothers me the most is when brands who have the money, um, and the resources to create for for above a size 10 or size 8 ref- still refuse to do it and still will will find any excuse as to why they can't um and because that just says like we truly do, like we don't want you in these clothes um yeah. we don't want do you wearing that? them right what does that boil down to? It boils down to we don't think it's attractive. Yeah, we don't think we don't want people to see you in our clothing. Our clothes. Yeah, and it and and it, this is the the root of all of all the problems. So this whole idea of inclusivity and diversity when it comes to whatever it is, whether it's size, whether it's age, whether it's sexuality, whether it's um, you know ability, whether it's you name it, race, like the whole idea that one group of people is somehow less attractive than another, I think speaks to a very narrow mind. Oh, it's which totally. ironically, you know, is the is the, you know, opposite of what the the design and fashion industry has always uh, been praised for. So right. to me, it's like, um, you know, those 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 calcified prejudices of what is beautiful and what deserves to be treated um, with respect, Mm -hmm. that's got to change and then everything is going to change. And I think that there's also just, you know, we're now moving, I think, into a space where I felt, I feel like 2009, 2010, 2012, was all about like embracing your huge ass <laughs> and your and your boobs but also being like but then your your waist your waist has to be small your waist has to be small like it was the kardashian thing where it was like ooh curvy but like you know but like only a certain type of curvy or only the right the kind of curves gaze. The, the male, male gaze, gaze. Kind of, yeah and kind of curvy. I, like you know it's hard to say like oh you know i don't want it is. I mean, you think about the '90s, and you think about like Kate Moss, and you think about the very, very, you know, waif-like androgynous body type, so so thin, just a hanger that the clothes can hang off of, like a mannequin, um, and you know that was the most attractive. And then I think people really thought we progressed 
by saying like, oh, no, now curvy is in like Kim Kardashian, like your big ass, your big boobs. But it's just a different, you know, it's just a different way of othering people who don't have a specific body type. Yes, absolutely. I remember when Giselle Bunchen came on the scene, she was being called the curve. It was the curvy revolution. And I thought to myself, oh, my good Lord, if that's the curvy revolution, <laughs> we have a very long way to go. My God. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's always been through through the filter of the either the male gaze, which is hypersexualized, that whole sort of Kardashian thing, um, or it was, you know, through... Uh, that very, very narrow um, idea of fashion, capital F fashion beauty, which was, mm-hmm. as you said, it was a very androgynous body, you know, it was the body of an 11 year old boy, really, right. <laughs> walking down, down the street. And there's room for everybody, including the 11 year old boy's body. Uh, but it's got to be, it's got to go beyond that. But, and- it, but it also me, me, you know, you have to think like, those bot it's not like those bot the the androgynous like straight up and down very very thin body it's not like they were that was like naturally their body like there were there were women killing themselves for that body and there were women killing themselves for kim kardashian's type of body meanwhile the kardashians pay for their bodies like i think that there's just there's so much that we don't talk about in you know all bodies but but if that but but in the sense that if that's your body great that's your body but but in the 90s, it's like to tell someone they need to starve to work out to, you know, to X, Y and Z to achieve, you know, what is someone else's body type essentially is crazy. And I think that we haven't it's not like we've come that far from that, you know, with with all of the 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 work that people do and butt injections and fillers. It's just a different kind of acceptable hotness. There is, you know, I always say that um there's always a, a body or a beauty that is the beauty of the moment. And that moment can last as long as a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, the rest of the women in the world, are to look at that example and to judge ourselves by how far we are from it. Right. So the further you are from that idea of beauty, the less worthy you are. So it's a constant, you know, feeding like this kind of this loop in your head that is telling you that you are just not not beautiful that you're not worthy that you're not this and not that and you know without getting too much into like like I said you know I really believe that brands should stick to to what they're doing you know if if you're saying things like my body's made for dot, dot, dot as part of a, a campaign about a brand that sells clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't make bodies, right. you make clothes. It's like Toyota making a commercial about roads, you know, right. you make cars, <laughs> talk about cars. Like it shouldn't be a preachy um, sort of hijacking of look, 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 you know, you want our clothes because we're so into your your plusness. Uh, that's not how it should be. Just make great clothes for everyone, not just those people or those people, mm-hmm. because as long as you're the other, you're going to be the lesser. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. You know, there's people are still trying to sell you something. And, you know, you're still trying to sell us something. Universal Standards still trying to sell us something. We're being sold things all of the time. Um, and I think that 
you know, that's the, you know, the nature of the beast. But I, I think that people are, are waking up more, especially after, like I said, like a year, 2020, like it's just, everything is so different. You know, there's priorities have shifted, you know, that go, go, go life has stopped. People aren't getting dressed up to go out and, and, see other people you know there's like no I don't know it just there's like a shift and I feel like people are really kind of coming back to a more realistic and and also be like kind of outlook on on how they're supposed to fit into the world but also being able to compartmentalize this like very intense way in which this idea of a body type that we're supposed to want to have and and through the messaging of like body confidence and body positivity and like like athletic build and fit build you know I think people are really trying to step away from that as much as they can because like who has the time I think I think this kind of screeching to a halt um of everything that's happening in the world uh, that's slowing down that enforced slowing down has given people time to reflect, but it's also um, the political, the social atmosphere. I think that people are, you know, there's a deep sigh in there somewhere where they're saying just enough, enough. I'm, I'm, I'm so tired of being judged by somebody who doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, somebody who's decided where I fit on the totem pole. And it's just, I think that this is the perfect storm that will allow us, hopefully, to create change. That's the silver lining of all the troubles we're going through. Mm-hmm. And I think that the idea of what is aesthetic and who is worthy is changing along with it. Um, so for for me personally, but also for our brand, um, that's a very important thing. For sure. Um, We are going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we are going to hear what Alex brought to Do Thanks to Spot It. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, we're back. Um, all right, so what did you bring? So this is one of my all-time favorite things. I know that a lot more people have been hearing about it recently. I've been a fan for a very long time. It's the P50 lotion from Biologique Recherche. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it's It's one of those few products that actually makes a difference. Uh, a visible difference. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of skincare products out there and I'm an absolute fanatic and I love a lot of the, you know, I mean, I have a, like many, many women, uh, a huge, you know, amount of all this stuff that I, that I buy that I think is going to make a difference. But my perennial favorites through the, 
almost two decades now, um, has been this amazing product um, and what it does to to my skin. What what does it do? Okay, so I've been hearing about P50 for a really long time. I feel like all of my skincare friends are into it. I know it's super expensive. Um, can you tell me like exactly what it does and like what why like what your skin was doing that led you to using it? And you also told me how long have you been using it? 18 years about. Okay, so you were on the train like long before it got super super yes. trendy. Yes. So tell me a little bit about like who needs P50. Um, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not a skin expert. I can tell you what it does to my skin. And I know that there are a lot of women who I know who have used it and loved it and benefited from it. Um, I can just tell you that there is something that is very special about this particular liquid. It stinks. First of all, it's not one of those pleasant smelling, you know, perfumed little, um, things that, you put on in the morning or whatever. Um, it's not a nice smelling product when you first, probably the first two times that you put it on your skin, it feels like it's burning. Although your skin doesn't show that it's burning and it doesn't, it really feels like it's burning. Which the makes third you time feel like you it's, feel- it's working, right? Like that makes you feel it's, like, oh it yeah. It is, but you know, it feels almost extreme. Like it's almost a little bit like disconcerting. Like, ooh, what's happening? Should I be washing this off? So the first two times it feels like that. After that, you don't feel it at all, which is, I don't know how that works or why it happens, but it is uh, the hallmark of this product. And what it does is it actually brings, the thing that makes it special is like it ex- exfoliates through through the the liquid itself there's no grain or anything like that in it but it supposedly brings your your blood closer up towards the surface of the skin so it oxygenates your skin and it is just i mean the despite the fact that the first two times you feel like you're taking nail polish remover to your skin it actually <laughs> it actually leaves it really really moist like there's no there's no drying. It it actually, um, gosh, I'm really going off on a tangent here with no, this, this product. Is, no, really this is what we want. It. This is what this is all about. It really, it's that's what's miraculous about it is that you you feel like you're stripping your skin when in fact once you look at what happens to your skin afterwards, it's really um, really soft and uh, and moisturized. Everyone just like. Everyone says this is like the best, the best skincare product. But it cost it. How much does it cost? Is it like eighty bucks? Is it like? And it's, it's it depends on the size that you buy. I think the there's a travel size, there's a medium size, and then there's a big bottle. The big bottle is expensive. I think the medium bottle is somewhere in that sort of ninety dollar range. Um, but really and truly, I mean, um, I I used to write about skincare. Um, and I, I really, really dug deep and I have to say that there are very few products that make an actual visible difference. And to me, this is one of them. Did you, what did you try before P50? Like what, what kind of, what routine were you doing and, and what were you spending your money on? I'll be honest. My routines were, um, relatively minimalist, let's say, you know, uh, washing with a very gentle, 
cleaner, um, like a Cetaphil or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, moisturizing every once in a while. I really was super minimalist. But what I was religious about was going once a week to this amazing, I was living in Tokyo at the time that I discovered this. And I had an amazing facialist. um, And I would go once a week. And she's the one who turned me on to this product. Wow. And I've never looked back since. So how many bottles or or containers do you go through? Like, what's your what's your P50 budget? Look, it lasts a long time. You're not meant to use it every day. You're supposed to use it maybe two or three times a week. uh, And you just wipe, you know, wipe your face with it on a cotton pad. Um, So it lasts a very long time. Um, You know, I think I buy it like maybe once every like twice a year, maybe. Okay. This is very, I feel like you're going to get me to pull the trigger on this and people have tried. Trust me. I would love to hear what your thoughts are and you can buy, like buy the travel size, which I think is, is really small and it'll give you a taste of what it, what, what it does. Just enough to burn my face off and then I'll be hooked forever. (laughs) Just enough to burn your face off. Tell me a little bit about how long that I know, I know there's a process and you just kind of talked about, you know, how many times until your face sort of starts expecting it and it doesn't hurt as much, but like how long did it take for you to really be like, Oh, Oh wow. Like not gaslighting yourself, like true, like this is working from the first time. No, you're kidding. I'm telling you, this is what's so magical about this now I do use you know I'm not a you know a a 22 year old anymore so I do have more of a routine now I do use you know a vitamin c serum and um you know uh, a spray on my face that you know allows it to sort of there are a couple of products that I now use but you will see when you when you do the the wipe down with p50 um you know, the first two times, like I say, it burns. The third time, you won't feel anything at all. It's not like it hurts less or whatever. There's there's no, I feel absolutely nothing. Wow. Um, and I don't know why that is, but um, it still works as magic. And you do see it, like, put it, like, wipe your face at night, go to sleep, and then look at it in the morning, and you will see a difference. Um, okay, this is very good to know. Now, where do you purchase, because you can't get it at Sephora, you can't get it at Ulta. Like, where do you buy? Where do you buy? Oh, <laughs> something just fell. <laughs> That's um, okay. Why don't we go from? The, why don't I'll just go from the, that question? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I know that you can't buy it at Sephora. I have tried, and then you can't buy it at Ulta. Like, where do you? Where do you buy? Where do you buy P fifty? So I used to buy it at the Peninsula, which is one of the um, sort of. Uh, official dealers of this product it's a french product they're very very particular about who gets to sell it and there is actually a considerable gray market for this product so i highly recommend that whoever's considering this product goes to the biologic recherche website to see the official sellers in new york and buys only from them Okay, that is good to know. Um, and then, so I've always been a little bit wary about buying skincare um, online that's not from like, you know, a specific retailer that I know and trust because like the skincare gray market is real, correct? Or black market's real? Oh, yes. T- do you have any experience? Did you ever buy like a 
like a I don't know the knockoff. You know, the thing is, I think I I wouldn't even know uh, because I think thank goodness if I have the experience would probably be that it's just you know its potency is non-existent rather than you know it's something that's going to burn your face off. Um, but I I have basically two rules. I only buy skincare from brands that make only skincare. In other words, if you make color cosmetics, I don't buy your skincare. Um, I only buy, like, if you're going to buy a watch, you buy it from a watchmaker uh, rather than, like, a fashion brand, perhaps. Okay. That's kind of the mentality for me. When did you so, – why is that your mentality? Tell, tell me a little bit Because this is, this is their area of expertise. This is not an extra revenue stream for the company. It is what it's their bread and butter. It's it's what they make. It's what they put all of their um, R and D money into. They know the most about skincare because that's the only thing they make. So that's rule number one. And rule number two, I make sure that I buy from the source so that there's never any question about authenticity. Okay, that is good to know. I think that like. There was a a point in time where I had purchased um, CosRx uh, snail serum, and I think I ended up with something that was not what it was. It felt very, I think it was, because once I used what I then learned was like the real deal, I realized kind of like you said, it wasn't meant to like harm me, but it was like super, super diluted. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you just don't know what you're putting on your face. Which is scary. Um, which is scary. It's scary. <laughs> the last time we kind of talked about like buying expensive, really expensive skincare was when Lisa Tazi was on the show. Um, I had been really sick. This was pre-coronavirus, but um, my whole face was chapped. It was just one of those bad colds. Like my nose was a faucet. Um, and she brought me this Biologique Recherche lip balm Um and she was like, you can use it on like, you know, above your lips and under your nose, like where your, where your skin is chapped and, and, and like, you know, it'll make you feel a lot better. And I was like, so overwhelmed because I knew it was such an expensive brand. And then I like, I was like, Tazi, like this was $50. And we had this very long talk about, cause you kind of think like, oh my gosh, no, like tiny jar of Vaseline should be $50. But if it works, it works. And then you don't have to buy seven $20 jars of a thing that's going to do nothing for you. So it almost makes more sense to just like spring for the real deal. Yeah, that correlation is, is true of more than just facial products, too. Right. It's the same thing with fast fashion and, and slow fashion. You yeah, know? and furniture. You can, buy, you can buy four pairs of jeans that wear out, you know, between your legs uh, within, you know, a few wears. Or you can buy one pair of jeans that's going to last you for a very long time and not do that. And ultimately, you actually do save a lot of money. Do you before we end our time together, do you remember the first really good investment piece of clothing that you bought? That was not universal standard? Well, yeah, like when you were when you were young, like when you were like, kind of just starting out your career, and it's like you had a little bit of money, you know, what what did you buy? Like, what was the big what was the big kind of ex- exciting attire purchase? So for me, I've always had a love of um, a great blazer. 
Um, and that is not because I, I'm not, I'm not thinking working clothes blazer necessarily. I always, my favorite look has always been that sort of blazer, um, great top and a pair of jeans, you know, where you can wear it with a pair of heels or a pair of runners. It just has always to me, um, been like that put together look that I've always loved and finding the right that right blazer, that right jacket that can be dressed up or dressed down uh, was always um, a big deal for me. That is, uh, and, and do you remember like how much you spent when you bought? Yes, because I actually, um, because it was so hard to find, once I found something, I would actually buy like three or four of them because I always wanted to be crisp and and. Um, you know, nice looking without um, feeling that, oh my God, this is my favorite blazer. And now that it's a little bit worn, that's it. I've lost it. So I always bought spares. Oh my gosh. That's funny. Yes. That, that is how, that is how I live as well. If I like something, I just buy a million of them. um, And that way, and that way I don't have to think about it anymore. And I feel like as I get older, I'm like, I have more of a uniform. We don't deviate that often. Let's just, you know, buy what we like and then we don't have to think about it. Yeah, it's called personal style, yeah. ultimately, <laughs> you know. That's what it is. It's like when you're buying things that you know you love and you buy them variations thereof, um, you know, when you experiment with your look by degrees rather than completely wearing like a floral dress one minute and then feathers and tiger stripes the next, um, you know, which is also very fine. Don't get me wrong. That can be your personal style. But to me, developing that sort of personal style is, is done by degrees of the things that you, that you love. And there's always some sort of baseline of that in what you wear. That makes me feel so much better because I was just calling it like my Doug funny or like Mark Zuckerberg look like same, (laughs) same thing every day. But now I'm just going to be like, no, this is my, this is who I am. This is my fashion. Yeah. It's your personal style. Yeah. And now that I live in Los Angeles, I can't, I mean, there's so much color here. New York was easy. Just a few black shirts and a few black (laughs) jeans and a pop of color, like maybe somewhere like your bag or like on your shoes or like your nails. And now LA, everyone always in like bright yellow athleisure so I'm trying to adapt to my new surroundings Lean in. Lean I'm in. leaning in Alex Waldman thank you so much for um, joining us for this conversation I'm really excited for everybody to hear it this was wonderful uh, you guys if you haven't tried universal standard yet I don't know what you are waiting for I can't talk about it enough it is just so great um, it's not just it's not just like the plus size fashion they you guys do do like how what's your what's the size spectrum double zero to 40 so it is definitely not a plus size brand it's yes. just it's just a, a brand. brand yeah so did you hear that double zero to 40 that means we can all get the same piece of clothing and we can all match and that'll be our our next job um all together we'll all be wearing the same overalls um <laughs> alex thank you so much for coming this was so wonderful